Well, good morning, 11 a.m. Oh, that, come on, that's weak. Let's try that again. Good morning, 11 a.m. Good morning. My wife bought me this old thing here because she's tired of my, seeing my waters fall off every week. And so if, if something uh, disrupts her pattern, you'll come in the next week and see it fixed or different. That's why you see me a little different every week. She fixes me a little bit every week. Just Hey, uh, welcome. A uh, couple things. Uh, this year, people have been asking about centuries. After much prayer and consideration, uh, we've opted out of doing centuries this year. And what we're going to do is we're, we're, uh, we've got planning meetings, and we're planning on next Easter us making it the biggest and best one we have ever done. Uh, I, I'm talking, I mean, we, and how many have ever seen centuries, our centuries drama? Centuries, the rock opera, it is the story of Jesus told to rock and roll music, and uh, one of the things that we are proudest of. Second, our summer concert series. People have been excited about it, because how many have ever been part of our summer concert series? Now, we got a few, oh man, we got so many that haven't. James, I could have swore you've been here long enough to be part of one of them. Oh, Joseph. But this year's theme We've decided to go because we've done everything from I Love the 80s to um, what was, I can't even remember some brother. This year we're going to go into the theme of pandemic. So you may hear songs like uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me, uh, Stuck in the Middle with You, My Sharona, but My Corona. Uh, so come on. Anyway, and, and so we're going to have a lot of fun, and you're going to get to hear during that uh, uh, some of our others, uh, Pastor Pastor Casey, which you heard a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ben, Pastor Amanda, they're going to be helping me with this series, so I'm excited about it. Well, are you all ready today? Week five of the big picture. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. How many have ever heard this saying, or maybe you've heard it yourself, and Denise, my wife, just totally blowed this this morning. But it, it, this, this thing here, um, hope for the best, but see, baby, you you're gonna you're gonna put yourself with Big Dave. Everybody else said prepare for the worst. Dave said expect the worst. I see, either way, what kind of philosophy is that to live by? What kind of motto is that to live by? Hey, how are you doing? How are things at your job? Well, you know what? I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Hey, how are things in your marriage? Uh, you know, I'm hoping for the best, preparing for the worst, or expecting the worst, uh, depending <laughs> on who you talk to. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's like this, it's like, well, I'm hoping, but knowing my luck, I'm prepared for the worst to happen. Uh, I, I, I was, as I was preparing for this, I saw another quote that was listed as an inspirational quote. Here's what it said. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, expect nothing. How's that inspirational? <laughs> to me, that is anything but inspirational. Expect nothing. And it, see, here, here's what I've learned. Um, people think if we keep our expectations low, we won't be disappointed. 
Denise and I, when we were pastors here, now, now let me go ahead and preface this by this whole message by saying this. I feel like this is a message to the Watts Bar Church community, the people that call this place home. It's gonna, I, I was telling our prayer team this morning, I said this is going to be a challenging and probably offensive message to some. And to some, it's going to be both challenging and offensive. Uh, but I find this, that usually if I'm offended by something, it's because I need to check something in myself. I need to look at something. Uh, so, so, so be prepared, but I, be, I believe God wants to challenge us with some things. But back to that, Denise and I, when we were youth pastors and worship pastors here years and years ago, one of the things that we saw, the, the mental culture of our young people, and now we've even saw, I've got a little ring up here, now we've even saw it as, as pastors in our adults, but in this community, in the surrounding community, the, the mindset and the culture is this poverty mindset. And I'm not just talking about financial poverty. I'm talking about the mindset of, well, this is the way it's always been. Why should I expect anything different? Mom and dad struggled financially. Mom and dad, dad struggled with alcohol. Dad struggled with his temper. Why should I expect anything different? And one of the things that when, when uh, God spoke to Denise and I eight years ago, nine years ago, to, to come up here, we just celebrated eight years. And, and we were on our way up here. Denise, man, God just began to move in her. She was in the car by herself. And some of you have heard this story and began to speak to her about breaking the, the poverty mentality off this community. Because we, we get this, this mindset, well, if I don't expect much, I won't be disappointed. We even do that in relationships. Come on. You, you get hurt uh, by a friend that, that somebody that you thought was a friend. You thought they were going to be there for you. They thought you thought they would come through for you, and they didn't. So now what we've learned to do is keep people and not have any real expectations of what a friend should be. We keep them low. That way we're not disappointed. Keep those expectations low. Keep them down there. And my thing is, how do we get there? How do we get there to where we don't really expect much so we're not disappointed? How do we get there when it comes to our marriages? Well, you know what? Our marriage has always been like this. I, I don't expect anything to change. How do we get there in our careers or our future? Believe change, Mike's I will because I am so ADD that will annoy me to no end. I used to believe that that might could get better. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you used to believe for deliverance. You used to believe, uh, believe for a godly man or godly woman to come into your life. Some of you, you used to dream. But why dream when expectations have let you down? Here's what I want. I believe God wants to do in this room. I believe he wants to do it in every person here. I believe he wants to do it in Watts Bar Church. I believe God wants to raise your expectations. I believe he wants to raise them. Uh, I believe that there are those that have just lowered their expectations when it comes to every area of your life. And I believe God said, no, it's time to raise 
those expectations. Paul said this in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I love the way the Passion paraphrases this scripture. It says this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for all his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Anybody need some energy? Come on, you need to be energized. I, I know I do. So I believe that God wants to raise your expectations. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 3. If you don't have one, don't worry. I'm going to bring the scripture up on the screen. I'll give you a minute. I'm going to act like this place is filled with Bibles and you're turning so I can get a drink of water. I can hear the pages turning. Uh, let me give, give you a little backstory here. King Moab... Uh, was in the middle of this family feud. And, and he, they were part of Israel. They were related, but it was the ultimate family feud. Uh, basically, King, King of Moab, Misha, King of Moab, he gets tired of having to pay tribute, having to pay taxes to the king of Israel, decides he's going to rebel against the king of Israel. King of Israel gets word of this, starts seeing it played out. So he enlists the help of two other kings to kind of come in, bring their armies, and they want to squash this rebellion very quickly. And they, it should have been an easy win, but they run into a problem. And that's where we're going to jump in the story today. Chapter 3, verse 9 of 2 Kings. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, here comes the problem, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. They're out of water. Why? Well, they're in the middle of a drought that has been going on for months. They're, and that, that's what I don't understand. They knew the drought was in play. They knew where they were getting set up for war. So they go marching around for seven days, using up their I, I don't Are they thinking, well, if they see how big their army is, maybe they'll run away. Well, that doesn't work. So now they found themselves without any water. See, when we go through a drought, it, it's no big deal. Uh, I mean, honestly, we can go down the store, buy some bottled water. They may ask you to do something. But for them, it was life and death and these three kings they run across something they have no control over the weather i found god will do that in their lives that that, that god will allow something to come into your life god will allow some some uh, trouble he'll allow loss he'll allow a drought he'll use something that is out of your control you can't fix to make you see oh i need to get back to where i should be I need to get back to the source. See, here's the thing. Difficult seasons, hard seasons, those are not necessarily a bad thing. Now, this is where uh, it may get tough on, on a lot of us. I'm going to include myself because that seems to ease the sting if you include yourself in it. Because um, here, let's be brutally honest. There are some of you, if you never went through any kind of difficulty, if you never any went, went through any heartbreak, any trouble, any hard season, you'd never pray. You'd never cry out to God. 
because things are going good. And so God allow your, uh, will allow your source to run out, to remind you. And these three kings, that's what's happened. They've lived life their own way, on their own terms. They're not really seeking God in any of this. And they run into a problem that can't be fixed. Verse 10, look what the king of Israel does. What should we do? The king cries out. The Lord has brought us, through, the three of us here, to let the king of Moab defeat us. You say, what the king of Israel just did. I, I mean, they've been living however they want to live. They haven't been seeking out God. But now they run across this hardship, and suddenly it's God's fault. God, where are you? You've let us out here to die. Come on, don't we do that? Oh, come on, get, get real honest. I mean, things are going good, things are going smooth, there's no problem, and, and we ignore him. Well, well, no, no, that's, we don't ignore, Kelly, we don't ignore him. We still come to church when it's convenient for us. We still, uh, we still pray over our food when we think about it. Do chips and salsa count? Yes, pray. That's the question. That's the dilemma when I go to a Mexican restaurant. Do you pray over the? Come on, because I'm usually I'm a, I'm usually a bowl and a cup of salsa through before I think. Oh no, these don't count. Let's wait for the food. Let's come out and pray. So we've not ignored him. We we still give in the offering if there's anything left over. And then when we get handed a piece of the puzzle that we don't understand to the big picture, something that hits us, we want to go, what's the deal, God? You've led us out here to die? This is what, and, and that's where they're at. Verse 11. King Jehoshaphat, he's, the, he's probably the only sane one in this. Look at this. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. They hear the name Elijah. Oh, Elijah? No, 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 no. We've not got Elijah. We've got his personal assistant. See, they had heard of Elijah. Elijah, arguably one of the greatest prophets to ever live. They knew the works that God had done through Elijah. Now, Elisha, the assistant, I mean, come on. But they're desperate at this point. And when you're desperate, come on. And these kings, they have, they have a need that only God can meet. They, they, they've been out of relationship with God, but now they're at a place where God's not just one of many options. Hey, God is the only option. If God doesn't do something, we're done. Look at this. So, so somebody tells, tells them about Elijah serving Elisha, and Jehoshaphat says, Yes, hey, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult Elisha. Now, if you're looking on from a, uh, a career standpoint, this is Elisha's big break. He has been, okay, they know Elijah. Now nah, they don't know Elisha. Not the Jah, the Shah. They're going to remember that. I'm tired of them getting confused. It's Shah. And so here I am. I've got three kings' attention. I'm going to deliver the best message these guys have ever heard. They won't even remember who Elijah was. And so here's the way he approaches 
them. This is his first message now. And here's Elisha, what he says. Why are you coming to me? Won't you go back to your pagan prophets of your fathers and mothers? It, what a first sermon. Come on, think of it. Here's what Elisha said. Oh, oh, now you want to hear from God. Oh, now you want God. Things were going good. You didn't need him. But now that you've hit a crisis, now that you've hit a wall, now you want to hear from God. Why are you coming to me? You, you've been consulting all these pagan prophets. Can't they tell you what you need? But here now you want to hear from God. And Elijah's got a little attitude. And uh, what the king of Israel says next does not help him. But the king, king Joram of Israel said, no, 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 hey. God that brought us out here to be defeated by the king. Don't look at us like it's our fault. God did this. Well, this does not sit well with Elisha. So Elisha says, as surely, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. He's like, hey, hey, guys, listen, if it wasn't for King Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even showed up to this meeting. I have no respect for you. He said, hey, you, you came to me. You're the one that put yourself into this situation, not God. And what he's essentially saying is, listen, king of Israel, I'm tired of God being the only one you run to when you run out of options. God is not a hobby. God is not some side thing. God is not some genie in a bottle you rub when you want things to go your way. You need to understand God is God and there is no one like him. That's who you need to understand we're talking to here. So Elisha says, you're lucky that I respect the king of Judah, or I just walk away. And then I, I love this. First message here, and look what he says. So bring me a musician. Think about the scenario we got going on here. Soldiers, animals dying of thirst. Three kings that are looking to you to speak on behalf of God. This is your big break. And what do you do? You ask for backup music. Could I give me a backup music? They had to be desperate because not one of them said, are you, are you kidding me? We're dying here and you want music? Says they got him a musician. They, they get him, look, look, look what happened. So they get him a musician and then, then it happened. Let me make sure I'm on the right place. Yeah, then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, this is what the Lord says. Read out loud what those underlined words say. Make. Say it again. Elisha shows up. Here's the word of the Lord. Make this valley full of dishes. See, I don't think this is what the three kings wanted to hear. I think they wanted Elisha to pray and bam, drought was over. Pray and bam, their enemies dissolved. But here's what you need to understand. While only God can make it rain, he calls us to grab a shovel. Come on now. There's been, you know what a Christian's favorite excuse is? Let me pray about that. Best excuse. Hey, hey, I, I need you to do that. Let me, 
pray about that. And they lie, and they ain't going to pray about nothing. Come on now. They just want to get out of that conversation. They wanted an instant miracle. God gives them a work order. See, God was about to bring the miracle they needed, but God knew they needed to do some preparing for it. Get things ready for it. See, there are some things in life that only God can do. But in order for God to do what only he can do, he's calling you to do what you can do. I will not try to say that again because I will screw that one up if if you you know it. It'll be like, what did he say? I'm convinced that before God brings a miracle, sends a miracle, before God sends the rain, he calls you to grab a shovel and dig a ditch to prepare for the miracle. Here's the big picture when it comes to faith. When God says dig a ditch, it's not your job to make it rain. It's your job to dig a ditch. You're not responsible for the rain. He says dig a ditch. I have to ask, what ditch? Is God asking you to dig in an area of your life to prepare for the miracle he wants to bring? What did you? Because that's a question you're going to have to answer if you want the breakthrough in your life. If you want the miracle, if you want that healing, that marriage. What area is God saying, hey, I need you to dig a ditch in this area to prepare for the miracle? See, faith is not just praying. It's not just wishful thinking. Praying is not just hoping for the best. Come on, because you may be praying, God, heal my marriage. And God's like, hey, I I tell you what, how about you take her out on a date to a place where they serve food at your table, not through a window? (laughs) Dig a ditch. You may be saying, God, I want more love, more passion. I want more attraction in, in my marriage. And God's looking back and saying, won't you be more attractive in your attitude? And the way you talk to him, the way you talk to her. Come on now. Uh, you know, we'd be saying, God, fix this. Fix, fix my man. God said, I'm trying to dig a ditch and fix something in you. Um, if that wasn't popular enough, we'll go to another area. God made me say, we, we pray, God, send me my healing. And God made me say, hey, dig a ditch, eat healthier. I'm just going to let it sit there. Because we want to live our lives however we want, put whatever we want to in them, and then expect, and then we go to the doctor, find out we've got diabetes, find out we've got high blood pressure, find out we got going on this. Oh, why, God? Well, because you've been to eat, and you're like, I'm trying to be nice here. Without control for so many years, putting stuff in your body, dig a ditch. And instead of sitting down for two or three hours watching TV, go for a walk. Oh, that's good, Pastor Kelly. That's good. That's so good. I'll amen myself. But pray, God bless my finances. And God's like, why don't you start tithing and trusting me with your money more than you do yourself? See, I don't talk a lot about money. So y'all can't ever say that PK talks a lot about money because I don't. But maybe I should because it's either the, the number one or second thing, most popular thing Jesus ever talked about. And some of us, we wonder, we want God to bless, we want God to bless, 
And God said, why don't you dig a ditch and start sowing? Come on, come on. And we spend so much time, our time just sitting around waiting on God to make it rain when God is waiting on us to do what we can do. I believe God is looking for people that will simply do what he asks instead of us sitting around trying to figure out why he's asking us to do that. See, here's the thing. If you're taking notes, God doesn't call us to completely understand. God calls us to completely obey. Obey. I don't have to. I rarely completely understand it. If I waited on my mind, my little mind, to wrap itself around with something God wants me to do, I wouldn't do anything because I'm one of those people that question, God, why would you even use me? God, why would you want to use me to say this or do this? And so you just have to, okay, God, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, you think about this. Do you think it makes sense to these kings or the soldiers for them to start digging ditches? They're dehydrated. They're tired. They're frustrated. There's no telling long how long they've been without water. Their animals are dying. They're trying to prepare for battle. They're trying to, 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 to get ready for it. They're exhausted. And this new prophet shows up and says, hey, it's time to get to work. Grab a shovel. Here's the thing. Real faith digs even when it doesn't make sense. Real faith keeps digging even when the dirt gets harder. Real faith keeps digging even when it doesn't seem, seem like you're making any progress in it. You're, you see, you're not seeing the results you want me to see. Let, let, me, let me be clear here. God is a God that is full of grace. Uh, salvation is definitely free. But if you want to see the joy of God in your life, you want to be used by God in your life, you want to see that marriage healed, you want to break free from that addiction, then you're going to have to eventually grab a shovel and get to digging and do something. I love it. I, that's one of the reasons why I love CR. Because I know every week, those people that show up on Thursday nights, they're digging a ditch. They're digging a ditch. Every Thursday night, they're digging a ditch. They, they're, they're digging a ditch. Whether they see results that moment, I, this, is, this is all I know to do right now, so I'm digging. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to see freedom completely. Completely. I believe you. Keep digging. Keep digging. Um, I believe, church, God is wanting to send a rain. I believe he's wanting to send a downpour, but he's waiting on some individuals that are just willing to grab a shovel, get their hands dirty, and start digging. This next part, I said this at the 9 a.m., but I was hesitant to say it at 11 because I know we are alive online, but I'm going to go for it. Um, I believe the greatest tactic the enemy has been using over the past four months since all this happened is not some great sin, not getting his followers to sin greatly, not getting them to do this. Here's what I believe his greatest tactic has been, lulling us to sleep. Getting us used to not coming to church. Getting us used to not serving getting us used to not giving, getting us, us used to, not, to, to having no accountability in our lives, getting used to the feeling of not carrying around a shovel. Now, now let me stop here before I, uh, I understand. There are people that need to stay home right now. You need to watch us from home. 
You, you've got some, some physical need, things in your life. You need to. But who I'm talking to are those that, that there is nothing physically keeping. It's the enemy has lulled us to where we've got used to not having a shovel in our hands. And the problem with that is this. Once, when you've been without a shovel in your hands for a while and you go start to pick it up and try to work with it again, it does hurt. You start getting blisters. And it doesn't feel good until those bl that, that blisters over and forms calluses. And yes, your hands are rough. Yes, they're smooth. But you're digging ditches. You're doing something. And I'm, I'm just telling you guys, we've got to, to wake up. We've got to wake up. We, you know, we have ditch diggers that show up here every week. Every, every Sunday, every Wednesday, we got ditch diggers. We, we've, we've got our band, our praise team, our media and sound. They get her, here early every Sunday morning and start digging ditches. We, we've got our nursery workers. We've got our WB kids, uh, volunteers that get here early to start digging ditches. We've got ushers, greeters, our security, our prayer team get here early and they start digging ditches. And can I tell you this? They're not, they don't get here early on their, one of their only days off because... They enjoy it. Well, I get to get up early on the day off and go, no. You know why they do it? Because they're digging ditches for the hundreds, if not thousands of people that will walk through those doors throughout this year. And they want to make sure the gospel is ready to be preached to them. And I pray every week for the volunteers that show up. That we can do what he's asking and wanting us to do so that we can be prepared for the blessing and the outpouring he wants to do. Here's the truth. I know there are some that just show up for the rain. That's fine. Keep coming. I get it. But then there are those that show up and dig ditches. Those are the ones that show up expecting God to move. They show up every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, because they're expecting something to be different. What, what would it look like if the people in this room, yeah, our, our crowds, is, we're, we're getting back up there. We're getting, still not there, but we, we'll, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. Because if I could just get 30%, let's say 20%, Casey, of the people in this room next Sunday to show up actually expecting God to do a miracle, expecting God to heal somebody, expecting, if I could get 20% to show up, walk through those doors with this expectation, what's he going to do today? I can't, I guarantee you, we would see a shift in the atmosphere in this place. And I tell, we've got to raise our expectations. See, I, me and Casey and my brother, we, we, I grew up in church. I grew up with my mom and dad ministering from, I, I, from the time I could remember they were in, in ministry. And my dad being a pastor, mom being a pastor. And, and I grew up hearing people say to my mom and dad things like, you know what, we're just not getting anything out of it here. We're going to find another church. Or we just don't like being asked to serve. We don't like being uh, told that the Bible talks about tithing or we don't like to be asked to scoop down so somebody else can sit down. You know, we don't like... So uh, I'm not trying to offend, but I have to ask a question to the followers of Jesus. When did it become 
about you. When did the worship set become about you instead of worship to God? When did serving become about you instead of the ones you're serving? When did the dramas that we do, the dances we do, the music we do become about our, our convenience instead of those that come in and hear the gospel and come to Christ? Come on, when did church become about making us comfortable instead of challenging us? I, I, I believe every week somebody should leave here ticked off at me. And somebody sitting here, well, you got there every week, Kelly. Well, what do you mean? I believe, I believe you should leave church challenged. Even if it makes you mad. Because I thought with me, I may not like it. But when I get to thinking about it, you know what? That's true. I've got to change that in me. And I believe that's what churches should do. It should challenge. On Sundays, the followers of Jesus, we come in here. We get challenged to change so that we can go out and be the church in the world. And God is doing that. I, I, I'm telling you, here, here, here's the thing. And please, man. See, I, I see it every week. People come in here, hands in their pockets, week after week, dear worship. Just sitting here. Uh, they, they never give in tithe, never give an offering. They, they never take a note. They never engage in the service. And then they'll leave here wondering, why isn't God speaking to me? Why, why, why aren't there any miracles happening in my life? Why isn't God breaking this sin off me, this addiction? Why isn't God changing my kids? Could it be, guys, that God is just waiting for you to grab a shovel, engage in worship, engage in what's going on here, serve somewhere, prepare for the miracle? Elisha looked at these three kings and said, you want God to send the rain? Then grab a shovel. What does that look like? Well, well, for some singles here, if you're single, I, I believe God is speaking to you about some things in your life. And then maybe God isn't so much concerned about you finding the right person as he is with you becoming the right person. Grab a shovel, dig a ditch, and don't settle. Don't lower your expectations. Anybody remember the Saturday Night Live skit? Lowered expectations. Is the dating website for people that can never find a date so they decide to lower their expectations? Don't do that. There are others, man. You're frustrating your job and your marriage, your finances, relationships. Keep digging. Keep digging. Because here's a promise for you, Galatians 6 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in digging ditches. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm telling you guys, keep digging. I know you're tired. I know there may be calluses on your hands. I know you're sore. But whatever you do, don't stop digging. Who knows when the rain's coming? We're just supposed to be preparing for it. I asked this question last week. Will you wait in faith until you see it? Will you wait in faith? Will you keep digging in faith until you see it? Will you trust God today, knowing that he is already in your future preparing the miracle that he wants to send? Let's finish this up. Verse 17. Elisha says, for this is what the Lord says. Now, pay attention. You will see neither wind nor rain. 
yet this valley will be filled with water and your, you and your entire cattle and your other animals will drink. You will see neither wind nor rain. What's Elisha letting them know? Guys, you need to dig. You're not going to see any physical signs of rain, though. You're not going to see storm clouds gathering. You're, you're not going to be able to look and say, ah, I see it now. Let's get to digging. You're just going to have to dig without any, any of that going on. You, you, you're going to have to do this. Though, though you can't see it, though you can't feel it, keep digging. Though you don't see the clouds, though you can't see the breakthrough, though you can't see your marriage getting better, though you can't see you breaking through that addiction, keep digging. I'm telling you guys, you keep digging and you trust in this. This is who God says he is. God I'm going to keep digging. Why? Because God said he's a healer. I'm going to keep digging. Why? Because God said he's a provider. God is a restorer. God is a redeemer. God is a deliverer, a savior. God is a miracle worker. We need to quit waiting to the clouds, the skies fill up with clouds to start digging. And just start digging. Start digging. I, I love this. Uh, after the service this morning, uh, Candace came up to me. PK, PK. God did just what you were talking about today. And if I mess this story up, tell me later. Uh, she, she's in school and been trying to get finish out her degree, get her doctorate. And, 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 and her financial, uh, uh, financial aid was run out. And she'd call and say, hey, listen, I'm trying to figure it out. What do we need to do? Well, you're going to have to pay. There's nothing left in your financial aid account. She said she just left with God. Got up today, right? Last night. Don't know how. There's $20,000 in her financial aid account. Enough to finish out her schooling. Why? Because she and Paul are faithful in their giving, faithful in their serving, faithful in their digging. I'm telling you, God, that is awesome. You, you need to understand this. Evidence comes after obedience, not before. After, not before. Elisha said, we're closing this out if I can get Bob up here. Elisha said, you're not going to see any physical evidence. I know you're going to want to, but you're not. You just got to trust. You just got to trust that I'm doing what I said in verse 18. He said, this is an easy thing, guys, and eyes of the Lord. Not only is he going to restore the water, but he's going to deliver Moab into your hands. Then he says this, you will overflow every fortified city, every major town. Now, see that underlined part? I really want you to focus in on that because this, was, this is so stinking good. You will cut down every good tree, talking about the enemies. You will stop up all the springs and you will ruin every good field there with stones. You'll cut down every good tree. You'll cut down. You'll, you'll stop up all of their springs. You're going to ruin all their fields. Why is that good news? Because here's what Elisha was saying to them. The very thing that has been nourishing and feeding your enemy, I'm about to destroy it. 
so it can no longer nourish them anymore. I'm taking it away from them. I'm removing it from them. The very thing that was making them strong, I'm bringing it down. In other words, here's what it means for us. The poverty mentality is coming down. The suicide rate and the depression is coming down. The drug houses in this community coming down. Hopelessness is coming down. It's coming down. Come on, somebody. It's coming down. I believe, go ahead and stand with me, guys. Go ahead and stand with me across this place. We're going to close this out. I believe God is saying, hey, if you will just grab a shovel and get busy doing what God is telling you to do, we will see the rain. We will see revival. We will see our lost friends come to know Christ. We will see more people delivered. We will see CR filled to capacity in this place. If we'll just grab a shovel and get to digging. Look at this, verse 20. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was. Water flowing from every direction. And the land was filled with water. The next morning, there it was. Oh, that, that doesn't excite you? Here's what you need to understand. This was pre-Lowe's, pre-Home Depot days, pre-days, pre-before you could go rent a backhoe to dig a ditch with. There is no way overnight these tired, exhausted, dehydrated men dug an entire irrigation system. Here's what I'm saying. God is not calling you to have faith to finish. He's calling you just to have faith to start. 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 And he'll take, he'll step in when you start. Calling you to have faith to step into it. James. God didn't call James to have faith to finish out his homeless ministries. Just start it. God didn't call English to see, to have faith of how uh, uh, redemption, restoration clinic would end. Just to start it. God didn't call, uh, God didn't call mom and dad to have faith. Over 38 years ago to see how Watsabar Church would end, just to start. And when you start, God says, I'll, I'll step in. Overnight, the land was filled with water. I believe, I truly believe that God wants to fill your life with His provision and blessing. I truly believe that God wants to fill Watts Bar Church with his provision and blessing. And here's the thing. Maybe you can't see the reason or why. Maybe you can't see how things are going to end. Maybe you can't see it. Listen, quit trying to understand it. Just begin to obey God. Grab a shovel. Start digging. Some of you, you've got some ditches. You've got to start digging. I'll be honest, man. When I was re 